Hey guys, welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. Well, here we are on episode 48, coming in on episode 50. I think that if I time things correctly, episode 50 will come on the first anniversary of the podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're almost a year old. Um, So that's pretty exciting. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do something special for the one-year anniversary or not. So uh, we'll see, but stick around uh, for that. Well, anyway, today um, I wanted to talk about the subject of knowledge management, knowledge management, and why it matters. This was a suggestion given to me by Derek Duncan. Derek, thank you for the suggestion. Um, And if you have a subject or someone you think might be interesting to interview on the podcast, let me know. Just send me an email at reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. Always appreciate the feedback and just hearing from you guys. So what is knowledge management? What What am I talking about? Well, this is a field of research, which has been around for a long time. Um, and the name should be somewhat self-explanatory. Uh, and that's just how you organize information and ideas and documents so that they can be easily retrieved. Um, you can see the benefit of this in personal productivity. We live in this like crazy um, digital age where there's just so much information around us. And if you want to do anything with all of that, you kind of need a way to get it organized. Um, and this field of knowledge management emerged uh, to basically discuss theories around how that's possible, specifically at the organizational level. So they were thinking in terms of businesses and things like that. If How do you make sure that people can find what they need? Uh, if you've ever been part of an organization that has had turnover um, in terms of like employees, you know that knowledge management can be uh, a valuable thing because sometimes you lose people that know things that nobody else knows. And when they're gone, you can't ask them questions anymore because they're mad at you and won't answer their phone sometimes. But do you know what I mean? Like if, if you document things, you can go back and find out how they work. And, uh, you probably, if you, if you work in some sort of office job, you probably have, uh, some sort of experience with this. Um, it could even just be an employee manual, um, or if you work in, in um, programming, uh, the code documentation or a knowledge base of information. Like these are familiar tools, I think, to a lot of us if you work in an office environment. Um, and I, I've, I've worked with wikis and building uh, knowledge bases for some of the software and things that I've worked on. So it's fairly familiar. And I think one of the ways that... Uh, Christians can benefit from this is how do you organize your, your Bible study notes? So if you, if you study the word of God, where do you put those? Do you have any sort of system? Do you just jot them down on pieces of paper and then fold those up into paper airplanes and 
throw it out the window and hope that it lands in a box somewhere where you can retrieve that information later? I don't know what that just meant. It's very early. <laughs> but now all of this, if it sounds a little esoteric and it sounds a little bit out there to talk about knowledge management, that's because what we're really talking about is what they call metacognition, which is really just means thinking about how you think. And I think <laughs> that that's an important thing for us to be reflective on is why is it that, that I think about these things the way I think of it? If, you, if we don't examine some of our methods and some of the ways that we're thinking about information or even meaning, um, we will just fall into the same patterns again and again and again, and we won't make progress. Like these are, these are big uh, philosophical, theological type questions, but if you don't ask them, um, it's difficult to go deep um, it, with, with your thinking on things. And, and when you do ask these, these big questions, these metacognition type questions, when you do examine how you think and why you think the way you think, um, I think we're often surprised uh, that it helps us to become better, sharper, clearer thinking, thinkers which is, I believe, something the Lord wants for us as uh, his children, is he wants us to be clear thinkers. He is a God of order, not disorder. He is, he is the Logos. He is, he is a rational God, and he has created us to be rational people. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of my introduction to why knowledge management matters. Um, and so I want to talk about it uh, as applied at the personal level. So, you know, when people, if you, if you go and look, what not, uh, look up knowledge management, you find a lot of stuff about organizational level stuff, but this isn't really a, a podcast about organizations. It's more about uh, personal productivity. And so I want to talk about um, the benefits of knowledge management at the personal level, give you some tools uh, that you could use if you want to get into this, uh, and maybe some, I don't know, just considerations, some of the consequences of knowledge management, <laughs> if you will, and some specific things that as Christians we should be cognizant of uh, as we kind of delve into this field. Okay, so... Look up the word Zettelkistan. <laughs> That's Z-E-T-T-E-L-K-E-S-T-A-N. And you can tell by the absurd length of that word that it's German. Uh, I can't even say it right. Zettelkistan is a system for knowledge management. It was, it was invented by Conrad Gessner uh, in 1516, so, or that's when he lived, 1516 to 1565. So somewhere in the 1500s, Conrad came up with this system. Uh, and then it was described later in detail by Johann Jacob Moser, we'll say, uh, and he lived in the 1700s. And it was actually made famous uh, by a sociologist and researcher, Nicholas Luhmann, uh, who lived in uh, the 20th century, died in 1998. And so I'm giving you all these names. I'm just, I just found them on the Wikipedia article. <laughs> but it, I want to tell you about the Zadel Kistan for a couple of reasons. One is uh, because it's really fascinating. And two, a lot of um, modern software that's been developed to uh, help with knowledge management is based on the theory behind this Zetelkistan system. So what is it? What's a Zetelkistan? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop saying the word and I'm going to call it the Z system 
because I'm positive that I'm pronouncing it wrong and it's twisting my tongue into knots. Okay, so the Z system, uh, what it is, is it in its original form, it is a huge a catalog of index cards, so paper index cards, because remember they didn't have computers. Um, and uh, this guy, Nicholas Lumen, had 90,000 index cards for his research. Think about that, 90,000, little like three by five cards. And he credited this system of his for his extraordinarily prolific writing. He wrote uh, over 70 books and 400 scholarly articles. And he his index cards are the thing that he pointed to and said, this is how I was able to do this. And basically, the, the system, it works different depending on what you're researching. But it's basically a card with a number with a hierarchical numbering system and with some metadata like about like almost like tagging if you want to talk in terms of software and a little bit of information in your own words about what these things are and that means that if you build up as you build out the system since it's hierarchical you can stick a note card into a category and kind of build out your giant second brain knowledge system and now this probably seems pretty onerous to do a bunch of paper note cards because it is onerous. <laughs> and I, that would be very hard, I think, uh, to manage, uh, and, and I'm sure it was. But what, it, what did it mean for him? What was the benefits? Well, it meant when he learned something, as he continued to research, as his knowledge grew, he wasn't just relying on his brain uh, to remember it all. He had filed it somewhere. And what's more, if you've ever uh, done this, jotted something down in a notebook and then never been able to find it again, his system, the Z system, enabled him to retrieve that information when he needed it. And in fact, discover connections between information that he wasn't aware of before. So he could be going through the, the category of, uh, I don't know, um, I don't know what the categories for sociology are. But he could be going through there and he can see all these cards he's put in this one area. And then suddenly the, an idea for an academic paper emerges in his mind. Or suddenly he sees all these things connected. And he said, that's a big enough idea between the, these connections that I'm seeing here that I should write a book on this. Right. And then when he goes to write it, guess what? He's got all the research already done. Um, so the, the brilliance of it is really um, not just in its capture of information, but in the ability to retrieve that information later and also to make connections to other things uh, that are in that category. So the benefits of that are huge. And in our era, if we could do that um, on a computer, <laughs> which we can, I think that the benefits would be absolutely massive. Um, and obviously, this is probably not important for everybody in the world, right? Knowledge management, it depends what you're trying to do, I think, with your life and, and what you're trying to accomplish and what it is that the Lord's called you to. Uh, that That's going to have an impact on not just how, how you manage your knowledge, but um, whether you actually see the value in this or not. Uh, for example, like an academic, like Nicholas Lumen, that makes a ton of sense, right? He's an academic. He's got to write stuff. Like his whole world is research. So of course, like something in the system like this is going to be like, wow, yes, I should definitely do that. Um, 
other things too. I mentioned knowledge bases for like um, for a company, or if you're if you're developing uh, software, you want to produce things um, that are gonna you know be helpful to people who are coming back and trying to understand what you were doing there. But since again, yeah, we're talking at the level of personal productivity or, or, or development or, or just our, our stewardship of our lives as Christians, like what are some things that uh, a knowledge management system would be beneficial for us for? Well, I think there's a lot of stuff. And like, just, just think about this. DIY projects, like that's, that's like a minor, like small thing. But um, I know I do this in Notion and, and mine, my system for knowledge management is not nearly as robust as it should be. And I've been making some improvements with it, which I'm going to talk about um, near the end of this uh, podcast. But like, for me, I, I have a section in my Notion uh, software um, under personal and then there's another level called home and then I have uh, projects around the home and so I'll have in there like I'm redoing our, our guest bathroom right now and I as we were looking through that I would drop in any research items into there um, I would create lists for what I needed to get from the hardware store for each part and comparative amounts like how much this would cost um, kind of doing a, a general budget for what the project was going to cost things like that pretty minor level project management, but all of that knowledge I threw it somewhere. So I didn't need to go and look up again. If, if I, if I took a break on this project, I didn't need to go a week later and be like, well, how much was that thing at Home Depot or what, what exactly size board did I need? And then go remeasure and all that. Right. So that's a really simple implementation. Since I had a place to capture and retrieve that information, it made it easier. So again, that's really low level. Um, other things that I think could be uh, great applications for having for yourself a good knowledge management system would be book notes. So if you're a reader, and I believe that Christians ought to be readers, uh, because one, we've been given a word from God in the Bible that is a written word, and we also stand on 2,000 years of uh Christians reflecting on the word of God and what it means to be a Christian. And that's a huge treasure trove. Uh, I'm talking about other books, uh, Christian books. Uh, and yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's my advocate, my advocacy for books. Um, but if, when you read books, uh, what do you do? Like, do you just read it? And you're like, that was a good book. Put it on the shelf, get another book, read that one. That was a good book. And you don't care to capture whatever you learned. This is something that I have been trying to get better at, just speaking personally here. I am good, I think, at underlining, dog-earing pages, highlighting, absolutely just wrecking my books as I read them uh, with marks and margin marginal notes and stuff. But here's the thing, retrieval. Now, it, it, I can go if I'm like, what did I know that book had something to say about X, Y, and Z? And I remember that, let's say. I can go and flip through the pages and I'll find the highlight or the thing I marked up. But I didn't capture those notes in a central place where all my book notes go. And this is something that I'm trying to do now in my own little Z system is after I finish a book... Uh, because I, the reason I'm going to do this after I finish a book is I do not want to read with a computer open. I expect that's a huge distraction and it destroys the joy of reading for me, but I still do my, my notes, my highlights, all that stuff. But after I finish reading the book, 
what I've been doing is I will sit down at a computer and I will force myself to go through and I will mark down in my own words some summarizing the different things about uh, that book uh, that, that I found helpful. So the things I, I wrote and highlighted, I don't write them all down as quotes. Why? Because, uh, one rewriting them in my own words, uh, makes it sink in better. And two, since I'm writing down what concepts I got from this book and saying what book it was. And since I marked it up in the book, if I need a quote, I, I know where, which book it was in now. Does that make sense? I don't write down the quotes because the quotes were already written in the book. Right. So if, if I come across and like, oh, here's a great thing about um, how the Apostle Paul's uh, life is kind of an example of a Christian becoming a better steward of their life over time, uh, which I recently saw in a book. I thought it was an interesting concept. So I, I write that down. And then if I ever I'm like, oh, man, I need to get some quotes for that because I'm writing an article about that subject and I want to you know, give credit what credit is due. Well, I'm not going to find it in my notes. I'm going to find the concept in my notes and then the, that is going to link me uh, <laughs> over to the book to go find the exact quote. Anyway, not to belabor the point, but there it is. It's been belabored. Uh, other things you can do in the knowledge managed system. Man, I think this would be huge, 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 huge for pastors. Bible study. Bible study. Imagine if you built out a complex knowledge management system in which you had... Um, things categorized by book, uh, chapter verse of the Bible and any research you did, any kind of exegetical work you did, you know, studying in the original languages, looking up, uh, stuff at cross references. What if instead of like most pastors, I know, um, just saving those things all as word documents. What if you had some system where you could organize those hierarchically and, and by theme and by that kind of thing. And so then later on, you could take, take that, that research you'd done and, and treat it not just like the, Oh, that was a, that all that did was produce a sermon, but you can take that same research and very easily note some connections, you know, say over 10 years, you say, I preached, I preached four sermons on faith and they were from all of these different books of the Bible. This would make a great series of blog posts to give that information a new life, or this would make a great little book. Well, guess what? All the work's already done for you. And those connections are already made apparent because you've at the beginning categorized it in a way that makes the most sense. This would be massive. And I know that a lot of Bible software tends to do this. Um, I think, you know, I don't actually use Logos, but I use uh, Accordance. And I know that there's ways you can link notes um, to passages of the Bible um, I'm just not sure that'd be something worth looking into. I'm not sure how limited that is, but my point is if you're going to, if you're going to produce some sort of, uh, synthesized knowledge, well, let me explain that. If you're going to study a bunch of stuff and write it out in your own words, make those connections and do all that work, it, uh, you really need to go another step beyond that. And if you're going to do all that hard work and make sure that you are managing and filing that in a way that's going to make it easy for you to retrieve in the future. Does that make sense? This was something I totally failed at when I first started teaching uh, the Bible many years ago. I did this um, study on Romans and dude, my notes are all over the place. Like uh, a bunch of them are just on like random pieces of paper that I have in a file folder, which 
is somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where. Um, some stuff is formatted in um, in document types, which no longer exists. The software that opens those no longer exists. So I got to figure out some way to get that out of there. None of it is organized in any manner, except for that I can tell what uh, chapter and verse it was from. And I regret that because that's a lot of, uh, you know, lot of hours, hundreds of hours of work that are tied up in those notes. And I have no easy way of like penetrating through, uh, all of that information to find where the gold is. If I wanted to go and see, well, what did I think about Romans? Um, it ends up being a big project. So, um, yeah, a Z system as <laughs> a Zettelkistan, um, would have been really helpful in that regard. Um, other things, prayer lists, journaling, um, just a place to put all your information. Obviously you can think of your own, depending on your own situation, why knowledge management system would be beneficial for you. Okay. Let me, uh, turn the corner here a little bit. I, I have gone over and over again, what a knowledge management system is, how we might use it. And all I've told you so far is that you need to invest in the three by five note cards industry <laughs> and a bunch of file drawers. But my friends, we are not librarians. Well, some of you might be and bless you for that. But, uh, how do we use, I, I want to use a computer. I, I'm just going to say it. I want to use a computer for this. I don't want to use physical note cards. So what are some tools that are available? If we want to get a little bit organized with our lives, we want to ma manage our knowledge better. Well, I think that there are, uh, two different categories here for, um, knowledge management as it relates to software. And the first one you'll probably be the most familiar with, um, and that would be hierarchical. So, uh, let me just tell you what both are and then I'll kind of contrast with them each other. So for knowledge management or note taking software, you have hierarchical and atomic and by hierarchical. I mean that you have categories, you may have tags, you may have things like that, but it's very much folders within folders within folders. This is how your computer works, right? Um, in your file system, you have a folder and then a subfolder and a subfolder, right? So there's many note taking systems, uh, or softwares, I should say that use that. Um, a really popular one would be Evernote, right? You have your notebooks and then you can do, you know, notes within those and you can go many levels deep. Um, and of course you can tag things, which, you know, uh, that will allow you to kind of transverse multiple notebooks. Uh, but that's a little bit difficult in my opinion to kind of keep track of a tagging system. Uh, also hierarchical system is notion, which is, you know, my baby, um, notion, uh, is an awesome, uh, free software you can use to organize things. I just love it. I have done, um, videos on it and things like that, or blog posts. If you just search my website, redeemingproductivity.com for notion, you'll see, um, some of my fanboying about notion there, but it is similar to Evernote in that it's hierarchical. You know, I, I think I mentioned earlier in this podcast that for my DIY projects at home, I have them in a folder structure, personal home projects, right? Those are all subfolders. And that makes a lot of sense. I think it's like pretty logical because in a lot of ways it's sort of, no, it is like what the, um, Zadel Kisten system was for these guys. You have these categories that are hierarchical and you can slip notes in there. And that makes a lot of sense to us because, um, it has, uh, a correspondence to reality, right? Um, if I, I have like a, a, um, big 
file folder at home for all my, you know, documents that I need to keep uh, as physical paper. And I just go find, you know, 2019 taxes and I slip a piece of paper in there. So that makes sense to us, right? What's really cool though is, so that's hierarchical, but there are atomic um, note-taking softwares now, which I think are very interesting, but uh, are a little bit um, hard to get your head around at first. So uh, one of those would be uh, Obsidian, which I think I mentioned in a recent article. This is a free um, markdown note-taking software where you can create connections between lots of different notes and it those connections kind of happen organically um they're they're called backlinks and they're two-way so in the middle of a note on you know we're talking about ice cream for example i'm writing about a research project on ice cream i can uh talk about chocolate sprinkles and then i realize you know there's a lot i need to talk about about chocolate sprinkles and i can kind of put two brackets two square brackets around the word chocolate sprinkles that creates another note and it also creates a a connection a two-way connection back to ice cream and so i can write about a bunch of chocolate sprinkles and i can go back to my note about ice cream and there's this deep connection but as I'm going, you know, maybe even years later, I am writing again about uh, an encounter I had with an ice cream man, um, then, and I'm journaling about it or something, and uh, I, you know, and he threw a and he threw a thing of chocolate sprinkles at me, and then Obsidian tells me, hey, you know, you wrote about chocolate sprinkles before, and then. I link back to the note about chocolate sprinkles and in there I discover from my research that chocolate sprinkles are actually toxic when found in the eye and because this ice cream man threw chocolate sprinkles at me and hit me in the eye, I ended up having to go to the ER and it saved my vision. I don't know if that will happen. But things like that, connections. Um, so that's Obsidian is one, that's a free one I've been using and Rome Research is kind of the the big boy in the block now it's a newer um software as a service and it is i mean i think that they just call it a note-taking tool for networked thought i think that's their tagline for it it's uh like 15 bucks a month which is kind of expensive for software but this is the big boy this is the the titan of atomic uh note-taking and it's built around this concept of you have like a daily note and then everything else sort of spider webs from there. And they have this huge like graph, it's a matrix that'll actually visually show you all of the connections you make as you continue to write things and research things. And what's cool about these, what's cool about atomic um, you know, knowledge management systems is they make connections uh, without your needing to deliberately come up with a hierarchy yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like when I, when I create something in, in notion, I had to build the hierarchy from the start. I had to decide how everything was going to relate to each other. And even if I was going to use tags, for example, I'd have to figure out, well, how do, how are these tags going to work? What's kind of their taxonomical structure? Like are, are the tags all nouns? Um, can, can they be nested within each other? And at least in my experience with using hierarchical systems, like it all, everything's peachy and rosy until 
you have a note or something that defies the system and then you end up dumping it in some random place. And if you're not being careful to kind of reevaluate how it all fits together and making new folders and new hierarchy as uh, new patterns emerge, um, eventually your hierarchy turns into entropy and you just have a chaotic note system. So what's cool about Rome or Obsidian, um, and I'm sure there's other ones out there of atomic um, note-taking software, is it kind of is chaotic by design. Like you just keep putting more and more information into it and it starts forming connections and you continue to build those out and make those, um, those connections stronger and stronger. And it does, uh, and this is kind of one of the things that they tout about these sort of systems, is it mimics how our brains work, where connections in your brain become stronger and stronger the more they're reinforced. And it literally, the, the connection becomes strong, physically stronger. And, uh, and you kind of build out these pathways of memory and things like that. And these atomic research things mimic that. And so I think that's that's pretty cool, and uh, I'm 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 digging it. I've been using Obsidian for almost a month now, and Rome I've been using for just the past week, and uh, I'm trying to figure it all out. I I don't. I'll just be honest with you. I don't love them yet. Um, Ted, who's someone I, I work with at Grace Two, who is a uh, uh, um, seventh degree black belt in productivity himself like swears by Rome. And so we were talking yesterday actually about some of the benefits and how I can get more out of it. And so I'll keep you posted. I'm going to keep trying to, to use it and get better at it. But still right now, most of my uh, life lives in a hierarchical system, which is notion. Okay. So that's some of the systems I would love to hear if you guys are using any of these um, and what you think about them. I, I, Again, it's uh, it can get a little bit out there, and it depends. It just so much of it depends on what you are trying to do. Like, what is it? Are you are you trying? Are you trying to write a book or something? Well, then, like this kind of stuff is perfect for you. Um, but for a lot of us, we don't need all of our thoughts connected on paper. Like, it just you know, what what help does that serve? And I want to talk a little bit here for the last few minutes just about what I would say the consequences of knowledge management. I just, when something like this new emerges and you have the ability to do something you've really never been able to do before, which is, you know, perfect memory retention, essentially finding connections you didn't know about. Um, it's helpful, I think, to be a little bit uh, wary or at least cautious. Like I'm not I'm obviously not a Luddite, like I work with computers for a living, like I, I mean all I ever talk about here is like software and stuff to help you be more productive, but I am, um, I am often, you know, just cautious about things. Now, for example, just ask the question, what does it mean to build an external brain? That's, that's some of the, um, that's some of the lingo they'll use sometimes talking about knowledge management is building an external brain, right? Storing long-term stuff for retrieval outside of your head in some sort of system, which is helpful, right? It can be helpful, right? Cause your, your memory's not perfect, but what does that mean? Like we obviously can't, uh, our long-term memory isn't sufficient to keep up with these things. And so, and so because of the consequences of the age we live in, we have to do this. Um, what does that mean for us as, as humans, right? I think that's a good question to ask. 
Um, and where is it going? I listened to one person who was talking about the future of the second brain and she started talking about, um, like becoming cyborgs essentially. And she, and you know, like she was literally saying, this is the trajectory and she was excited about it. She wasn't thinking, uh, warily about it. She was excited that, you know, eventually we'll have implants and then we can kind of offload our uh, memories to long-term storage on a little hard drive in our head, which sounds cool but also sounds like a sci-fi movie in which the human race ends up dying and then is saved by Will Smith. So another thing to just consider is why is it that our brains can't store things well? Well, this is what theologians call the noetic effects of the fall. So noetic gnosis, your thinking is all a mess. It's, uh, we are not as bright as we ought to be because sin has made us stupid. Um, and I don't think that it is wrong for us to try to find systems or tools to overcome those effects, right? Or, or otherwise I'd have to argue that, uh, like an epidural is sinful. I'd have to argue that too, because it's overcoming part of the curse, which was, um, the woman's pain and childbearing being greatly increased. Right. But I, I don't argue that. I don't think that that's true. I think that God gave us, um, common grace to be able to, um, mitigate some of those things, some of the effects of the curse. Uh, so I think it's okay for us to use tools to try to help us store things longer term in our memory. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I try to think about these things somewhat philosophically and here's the big question. And this, I'm asking myself this all the time. Were we really meant to be this digitally tied to, to things? Was it, was it? It, was I meant to live in a way that required me to retain so much knowledge such that I needed to offload it to an external hard drive? Like, how did, how did God design us to actually live? And this, these are questions that are definitely <laughs> transcend the purpose of this podcast, but the things I'm asking myself, if, if modern life has required me to essentially create a, a software version of my memory, I wonder if the problem isn't my faulty memory, but if it's the way that I'm, that we've chosen to live in this world in modern times in the information age, just something to consider. I don't have answers to that. <laughs> uh, another consequence I think of, of knowledge management systems is especially the atomic ones where the structure emerges, like as you write more notes is what I would call the illusion of progress. I have had this experience with using obsidian and Rome too is I just start writing stuff and capturing tons and tons and tons of things. And so sometimes I'll just write about what I'm doing that day, which is fine. I mean, I journal, there's nothing wrong with journaling and who cares? I'm throwing it in there. But for me, often that feels like I'm like making progress when I'm really not doing anything. I'm just procrastinating. You know, I'll do that at work. Sometimes I'll just be like, okay, here's what happened, you know, in the last half hour. And I'm telling myself I'm capturing this in case I need to go back and, and look at my, my star date <laughs> and see what happened on the captain's log. Um, really I'm just procrastinating. So there, there's more of a temptation in atomic knowledge management systems to do that. I think, um, just because if you do it in a hierarchical system, Oh boy, you create a huge mess for yourself and you, and like, what are you going to do with all these notes? It's just this now, now your hierarchical system is super hard to retrieve information from because you've cluttered it up. Um, so let me just finish on a, on a couple of notes here. Uh, and that's just, okay. For believers, I think we should be disciplined thinkers. I think that is a very good thing. I think, um, God is a God of order, not disorder. Um, 
and he, he, he has made us to, to try to think clearly on things. And so knowledge management makes a ton of sense to me as a Christian. I don't know what, to what extent, but I just think it, it seems like a wise thing to do, especially as regards Bible study and things that we learn about the Lord capturing and being able to retrieve that stuff is going to be valuable to us. Um, but finally, even if we make the best system in the world, um, it, we're still going to fail. Um, we're still going to lose things. We're still going to forget things. We're not going to be able to overcome completely the noetic effects of the fall in this life. And that's okay. That is okay. Why? Because it reminds us of our finitude. It reminds us that we need God. It reminds us that we are not what we ought to be. And that there is a day coming when our bodies and our minds will be redeemed to serve Lord uh, with our full capacity as we were designed to. So I'm going to try to do that as I live here today, even in this fallen, <laughs> stupid brained body. Um, I'm going to use what I can to do that as well as I can right now, but I'm going to look forward to the day when, um, all of those limitations, uh, to, to perfect service are overcome when my Lord returns. And so we look forward to that day. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Um, please, yes, do email me, Reagan at Redeeming Productivity, if you have any thoughts about knowledge management, um, or if you want to chastise me for not loving Rome yet, because I know that's becoming popular. Um, but please do email me there. If you love this podcast, make sure you do subscribe to it. Give it a five-star review. It helps people find it. And uh, if you super, super love this podcast and you're interested in helping support my work with Redeeming Productivity, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash redeemingprod. And there you get kind of exclusive updates, early releases of episodes, and just kind of you know, that's your way of throwing a little money in the hat, help me pay for hosting and things like that to keep this running. So I appreciate all of my Patreon supporters. You guys are the best. And, uh, any of you are considering that you too can become the best <laughs> by giving me money. All right. Well, that's it. And I will see you guys here again next week. But until I do remember this, that in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God. 